0: Yet yet. That's her. Don't. I have to
1: talk to you. You don't I have, have to, find to do out You answer that
0: phone, and Schrader's on the other end of the line with a legal wiretap recording everything you say. You're not doing anybody any favors except for him. In fact, why do you still have a battery in that thing? Take it out. Yeah, they might be trying to triangulate your movements.
1: I'm not being paranoid. Do it, Paul. I'm recording. Everything you say from here on out.
0: That's why you bought me this microphone, right?
1: (laughs) It's exactly. Turn it on remotely. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I'm triangulating your movements at all times. So,
0: I go here in crux, and that's about it. So, probably an easy (laughs) equation to figure out.
1: Yeah, your movements are similar to my movements. (laughs) We're not doing a whole lot of it. If someone were tracking our movements, we would both just look dead most of the time. (laughs) Truth. All right, Uh, today's paper at first glance, I was pretty excited about this paper for a couple of reasons. Um, It seemed like, I've talked about this in several episodes now, where I really like it when researchers do this deep dive and keep asking different questions based on the same theme. And it seems like this paper is one of those. It kind of seems like a spinoff of some, of some of Ava's research, the paper we did in episode one of, they of this season.
0: Talk about that paper a bit in this paper.
1: Yeah, they mention it in here. In fact, when I, I was just glancing through and I saw them mentioning the same edge sizes and everything, and I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, sweet. And then I was like, oh, they're just talking about Ava's paper. Um, but uh, I like it when science works that way. So, so I got excited about this paper. How about you?
0: Yeah, likewise. Uh, you know, I always like to see more hangboard studies come out just because I think that's one of the things that can be tested fairly in a controlled uh, yeah. controlled setup. So, you yep. know, a lot of climbing that's tough to do. There's things, you know, moving along these days where it looks like we're going to be able to look at other elements of climbing other than hangboarding. In Mm -hmm. a way that we can test and repeat, which will be cool. But right now, hangboarding is leading the way. Um, This is a paper that came out in 2021. Right? Yeah, 2021. So, it was cool to see something, you know, about as recent as it gets come out.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think when people are listening to this episode, that will have been last year. But right now, this is a this year paper.
0: Yeah, Um, Yeah, randomized controlled trial, which is always – that's a pretty high level of evidence for something. So, you know, you can – get the takeaways from the paper and assume you can apply it with moderate with a moderate amount of success to people you work with.
1: And there's a lot of people who just want to talk about hangboard training anyway. There's the hangboard Illuminati are out there and You know, this is their favorite subject. So we're making them very happy with this paper. Uh, This paper's title is Hangboard Training and Advanced Climbers, a Randomized Controlled Trial. Authors are, there's a list of authors here. And I think the first three who are uh, Saskia Mundry, I'm probably messing that up. uh, Gino Steinmetz and Dominic Saul, I think they did the majority of the work. And then there was some consultation and reviewing from Elizabeth J. Atkinson, Arndt F. Schilling, and Volker Schoffel, who is a name that pops up in climbing-specific research, um, particularly with the hand, pretty often. Um, it's from the Journal of Scientific Reports 2021, and the purpose was to determine which of two hang protocols was superior for improving grip strength, added weight or minimum edge. That's what they set out to find out. And um, anything from you before we jump into this thing. Let's do it. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you again. I'm Paul Corsaro. I'm Chris Hampton. Lucky two guys are just guys, okay?
0: And you're listening to Breaking Beta,
1: where we explore and explain the science of climbing. And with our skills, you'll earn more than you ever would on your own. We've got work to do. Are you ready? ready? Ready, 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 ready? I'm ready. Are you? I am because the last paper we did was an extra special feel good paper, like had lots of magic pills that you could take and, you know, all these easy things to implement. And then I read this paper. So I'm ready. Let's get into the methods. In a scenario like this, I don't suppose it is bad form to just
0: flip a coin. Alrighty, so they took, I believe, so one of the first things about this paper is the layout's a little strange.
1: It took me a while to realize that. I had my, hey, you guys forgot something, queued up, ready for this paper. And then at the end, I found all the things I wanted to know.
0: (laughs) Yes, they have like, you get some of the methods from the first paragraph of the results. And then, anyways, so they had 30 initial participants, Uh, 27 completed the study because three just didn't show up, it sounds like. Um, they had 15 male and 12 female climbers. I thought that was kind of cool to see a little more balanced, um, makeup
1: of participants here. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, your, uh, the, your hypothesis from earlier this season that the older studies seem to be more male dominated. And as we get further along, um, we're getting a better balance. That seems to hold true here as well. 2021, we're almost 50, 50.
0: Yeah. I hope that keeps on rolling that way. That'd be cool. Um, So they these climbers were all considered advanced, and they used a re- reported red point and on-site grades to kind of determine that. One thing this is the first I've seen in a paper was the IRCRA grade, which is basically a way to standardize you know all the different grading systems. You have you know the American grading system, yep. the French <clears> grading, <throat> uh, Australian, all that. They kind of put them all together in this single numerical scale. So I think that's actually a cool thing that comes out of this. Yep. Um,
1: Yeah, I've seen that used a few times. I don't know if it's in any of the studies we've looked at yet, but but I've definitely seen it used. And it's actually closest to maybe Australian grades. It's just a, you know, one through whatever numerical list um, that everything else correlates to. Super smart way to, you know, take all of the research and be able to compare it.
0: I think it'd be cool, like, especially when they do bigger like meta meta analysis and things like that. They'll have these criteria where they can start kind of pooling
1: Mm -hmm. these sample
0: sizes and having a quick, relatively easy way to standardize things.
1: Yeah. And frankly, I'd be all right if we just switched all the grades to that. Why not? Keep it nice and simple, right? Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all these climbers, they uh, explicitly didn't have any hangboard experience, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, me too. Um, You know, there's a lot of learning effect that they might Mm -hmm. need to control for there. But so without any previous hangboard experience, I think the median on-site grade was 11A or the medium red point grade was 11A and the medium on-site grade was 10C. So people who had climbed a good amount um, weren't climbing at maybe national level competition.
1: Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about the way a lot of the researchers um, categorize uh, recreational, advanced, elite, whatever. Um, there, that's changed over time, and they seem to be using kind of the old method here, where advanced was five eleven. Um, so, don't let the word throw you off, because in today's, um, you know, in today's media about climbing, advanced probably means something closer to five thirteen instead of five eleven. So, that word. It, just shouldn't mean anything to you instead let's we can look at the numbers
0: yeah. um, moving into how they trained so they were separated into a control a minimum edge group and then an added weight group uh, mm-hmm. the groups trained two to three times a week for eight weeks with both hands when they felt sufficiently rested
1: um, yeah. and the control group was just climbing they correct. weren't weren't doing any hangboarding
0: And as they worked through, so the smaller edges group, they would just minimize the edge. Uh, They used a protocol modified from McLeod. And um, as they moved on from week four, they continued to decrease the starting level of the edge. So they took different sizes of the edge and gave them different starting levels. So level zero was a jug. Level one was 37 millimeters. uh, Level two was 45 millimeters. Level three, 20. Level four, 28 level five, 16, level six, 18, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they did that. And then the hangboard with the weight added group. So they just added weight. So they were performing a a similar uh, protocol from McLeod and they would be adding an additional 1.25 kilograms of weight. If a hold for, could be held for more than 10 seconds. Um, Do you have anything to add on those protocols
1: as well? I have one thing that threw me for a loop, and I'm in a, an Airbnb in Las Vegas right now on a climbing trip, and I'm with a bunch of climbers, and I, I asked them this when I was reading this paper, if this sounded like it made sense to them, and no one could make heads or tails of it. So, I'm curious what you think of this. Um, they mentioned that there was a warm-up performed before all of the the testing and all of the workouts. And the warm-up went as follows. Hang on a jug for five seconds, short break. Hang on a jug for 10 seconds, short break. Hang on a jug for 20 seconds. Then do as many pull-ups as possible. That's the warm-up. Um, I
0: what? wouldn't be ready to hang
1: board after that. No. That's pathetic. I... How hard did you even try, or did you? Hey, hey, hey! hey, hey. I, I couldn't have tried hard at all. Uh, only hanging on a jug for twenty seconds and then doing a bunch of pull-ups. In fact, I'm probably a little bit worked from the pull-ups, and my fingers aren't warm at all. So that confused me.
0: Yeah, it seems like as we go through a lot of these methods, there's a lot of things that I feel like they maybe could have controlled a bit better.
1: Yeah, I, I liked the idea of okay, let's take these two things that Ava looked at in concert, the maximum added added weight and the minimum edge, and let's separate those and let's see what happens if we only do the one thing instead of the two like Ava did. Um, I thought that was a great idea. And I'm not sure that's what came out of this paper. Um, Any more on the methods so, yeah, they you. did
0: look at grip force too.
1: So, before and oh, after. Right. That's the before and after test. Yeah, yeah. let's go So, there. they
0: used a dynamometer. Uh, yeah, they used a dy- dynamometer and did uh, different pinch grips they referred to. So, it was pretty much pinching various digits and digits in combination with the thumb.
1: I had to. Uh, I had to <laughs> look at this for like... 30 minutes. Like, am I missing something? Are they, they're testing pinch grips with just two fingers or just three fingers? I went as far as Googling, like maybe there was something I don't know. Maybe a pinch means in statistics that they're taking only a few of the participants or something. I kept, kept looking for all of this and I'm like, surely I'm missing something.
0: It, it doesn't add up. It adds up perfectly. Walt's a scientist. Scientists love
1: lasers. But I don't think I was missing something.
0: Yeah, it seemed like they just – it seemed maybe they didn't want to just test what they were teaching, if you will. Yeah. And do a different test to see if it reflected a different exercise. But, but yeah, it, it it confused me as well. I had to stare at it and kind of squint for a while. But those yeah. are the pre and post-test measures for – this experiment. So they tested their grip and these various pinch configurations.
1: Yeah. Seven different pinches, right? Yeah. So and like then they pinch teams basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then they went through an eight week training program, the two experiment, experimental groups, and then the regular climbing control group climbed around two and a half times a week. And then they retested after those eight weeks.
1: Yep. All right. Let's go to commercial break, get our minds right, and we'll be right back. Please. All right, I really need a break here, okay? You're listening to this super nerdy podcast, so I can only assume that you're interested in improving your climbing. Well, good news. You're in luck. Yes, science! We have training options for nearly every level climber in nearly every situation, from general prep to fully custom, from ebooks to weekly plans delivered via mobile app. Visit powercompanyclimbing.com/breakingbeta for more info. And while you're there, check out Kettlebells for Climbers too. Now available as either an ebook or a proven plan, the follow-up to our wildly popular Kettlebells for Climbers plan that started so many climbers down the path to being stronger, better prepared, and more athletic. So I'll go back to work for Christ's sake, okay? Okay. Okay. We are back from commercial. We've we've settled down a little bit, and we're gonna jump into the results and our. Verdict, which you might already have been hearing. We're not right here to sit in judgment. Yes, we are. Why not? The thing is, if you just do stuff and nothing happens, what's it all mean? Whatever, whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that is going to happen. I had decided to cut that sample down just because it takes so long. Um, but this paper brought it back out immediately. It, it feels confusing. I felt confused. Uh, the first thing I want to mention here is that in, in the methods, you talked about how they tested in these pinch grips, seven different pinch grips. Um, that That's what they were testing for um, by hanging on edges. And they mention in the paper that hand grip force has been weakly correlated with actual climbing performance. So my question was, why are we testing for something that's weakly correlated with actual climbing performance um are we looking for a protocol that improves our climbing performance or are we looking for a protocol that improves our pinch performance um, on a dynamometer and i'm not really sure what the answer is leave that for smarter minds than me Science is a mystery.
0: It's also interesting that, um, later on, when they talk about the limitations of the study, they kind of go back on that and say the grip dynamometry used here is a simplified but valid represent- representative of real climbing movements.
1: Yeah, so well, even I mean, in that same sentence that you're talking about, they mention I don't have it right in front of me, um, but they mention but it uses different muscles than climbing.
0: Yeah. Forearm muscle activation during rock climbing differs from activation during dynamometry.
1: Yeah. So I don't know, man. It just seemed like, why
0: even test this? I guess maybe to just see Mm -hmm. if there's a difference. Um, But yeah, the difference they found was that pretty much only the added weight group improved the grip strength to a significant effect. Everything else kind of, if there was any improvement, it wasn't statistically significant.
1: Right. And, you know, I do think that's interesting, actually. I don't want to totally Mm -hmm. bag on this paper. Um, I do think it's interesting that by hanging with weight and, you know, four fingers on a flat edge, we are increasing our grip strength or crushing strength as a dynamometer measures, Um, particularly, you know, in these, these teams of pinches, if you will. I think that's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and you could view it as another body, uh, another point of evidence to proving the uh, efficacy of weighted hangs as a method of hanging on a hangboard.
1: Yes, science!
0: When they did look at the effect size, uh, the effect size wasn't really much more than medium for the improvement. So it wasn't these wild gains people made in this hangboard protocol. It was there, statistically significant, but it wasn't jaw-dropping.
1: Right, and they concluded... I found this sentence really interesting. And at first I thought maybe this is a typo. Um, maybe it's not. I'd, I'd love to be able to clarify that. Um, I, and you can do that, I'm sure, by looking at the statistics in here a little closer. Um, they say, we concluded that an eight-week training with maximum weight as we performed it leads to a comparable effect as a four-week minimum edge, four-week added weight training. Um That was the protocol, if you remember, from episode one on the Ava Lopez paper that was considered to be the worst of the two. The better was doing maximum added weight first, then minimum edge. Um, They have it flipped here. And I'm also confused as to how they can make this claim when their testing is for pinch grip. Which was not tested for in the Ava Lopez paper at all. Um, so I'm I'm a little lost here. I'm not exactly sure how they came up with that that result.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I have that highlighted for the same reason. Like just seems I, I don't know why that was in there, honestly. We flipped a coin. Okay.
1: Yeah. What what does this paper, <laughs> this is kind of a funny question, actually, at this point, what does this paper not say? What is close? There's no close in science, Barry. There are right answers and wrong answers. Yeah, but I'm just saying, Mr. White. Is there anything significant that you think we shouldn't try to take away from this paper? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah. The only thing I can take from it is that, you know, a lot of this was focused on um relatively recreational, as we might call them mm. nowadays, climbers. Um and not all climbers are gonna have the same results as those climbers. So, the fact that they were hanging on an edge increased their pinch grip, um, that may very well work for the 5.11 climber. It may not work for the 5.13 climber. We don't really know. So we can't expect that for every climber hanging on on an edge is going to increase their pinch.
0: I guess if I had to take one thing away from the paper, it would be that this is just another weak advocate for continuing to hang with weights off a hangboard.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a good takeaway. And I mean, we've seen it in other papers, I think represented far more strongly than it is here. Um, I would have liked to have seen a, a lot of different things in the design of this paper. I, I would have liked to have seen them testing the end results the same as Ava did. And they mentioned that there are some limitations in this paper, um, and that, you know, they, they maybe could have tested in different ways. So they, they recognize some of these flaws. Um, but if they had tested in the same way that Ava did, then we'd actually get to compare these protocols, just eight weeks straight of each of the different protocols, um, to what Ava did in her paper. And that just isn't the case, but I would have loved to have seen that.
0: Oh, yeah. Another thing in the comparison between this and the Ava paper was they didn't use chalk in this paper either.
1: I didn't see that. Yeah.
0: So different from our study, (sighs) when he's referring to uh, Ava's paper, different from our study, magnesium carbonate was used to reduce the perspiration effect talking about the other paper. So I inferred that as they did not use chalk for this.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. And if they're going to, yeah. Leave that for smarter minds than me. Science is a mystery. It's a mystery. I don't, I I guess I just don't get it. Um, Yeah. uh, Let's just move on to application. First off, let me say this. To the researchers and the authors of this paper, we're not, this is not a personal attack by any means. Just not a fan of the way this study is set up. And, you know, we we move forward from there. So it adds to the conversation. I'm just not sure that it adds a whole lot um, of anything new to the conversation. Um, Let's talk application, if there is any. I got all these little...
0: Pieces, like they're all part of the story, right? But they don't mean much on their own. But when you
1: start telling me what you know, we start filling in the gaps. I'll have them in lockup before the sun goes down. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add a positive here. For me, I can look at this paper, and if I'm working with a, a recreational climber or a relatively new climber, um, someone who's climbing around that five eleven grade um, or a little harder. Then I'm gonna feel pretty confident that I can focus their training on general hangboarding, um, at least that part of their strength training to general hangboarding, and that they're also gonna see some benefits to other grips. I, yeah. I think that's one of the applications I'll take away from this.
0: Yeah, I like that take on it. Uh, mine was just gonna be, you know, if someone if uh, someone comes to me and is new to climbing and wants to hangboard with weight and they have they can do it and you watch them hang with weight and it's apparent that it's something they can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell them that they they're not ready for it yet. Right. Cause climbers of this ability level saw some improvement in this paper. The yep. other thing I can take away from this paper is this is from maybe a research reading skill. This is a great example of where something in the abstract maybe doesn't mm-hmm. come off as strongly when you read the rest of the paper.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, abstracts can be really helpful, especially when it's a review paper. Um, When it's a a study that might have a bunch of flaws in the design, um, then the abstract may not be quite as helpful. Um, So really, really good point. I'm also glad you said that you're not going to You know, push someone away from hangboarding because you think they're not ready when they're climbing at this level. I do hear that a lot from people. Oh, you're not ready to hangboard yet. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. And loading your fingers more is not a bad thing, especially in a controlled way, the way that we do when we're hangboarding. 100%. All right. You can find Paul and I all over the internets by following the links in your show notes, and you can find Paul at his gym, as always, Crux Conditioning in Chattanooga. We heard at the beginning of this episode that he's either there or home, so you'll find him there. Uh, Don't come to my house, though. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go to Paul's house. (laughs) Definitely not. If you have questions, comments or papers you'd like for us to take a look at in season two, because we're now almost three quarters of the way, maybe more. My math is bad through season one. Then hit us up at community.powercompanyclimbing.com. Don't forget to get subscribed to the show if you're not already. Leave us a review. It helps us. I don't know how, but supposedly it does. And then please tell all of your friends who spend their warm-up time telling you that your hangboarding is only going to carry over to that one rare four-finger flat edge on a rock climb that you have the perfect podcast for them. And we'll see you next week when we discuss the strength and endurance differences between lead and boulderers and whether or not all that time on a rope means you're just going to suck at bouldering forever.
0: It's done! You keep saying that and it's bullshit every time, always. You know what? I'm done, okay? You and I, were done.
1: Breaking Beta is brought to you by Power Company Climbing and Crux Conditioning, and is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. For transcripts, citations, and more, visit powercompanyclimbing.com slash breaking beta. Let's not get lost. In the who, what, and whens. The point is, we did our due diligence. Our music, including our theme song, Tumbleweed, is from legendary South Dakota band Riff Lord. This is it. This is how it ends.